So uh, good morning and welcome to Freedom Church. My name is Brian. I'm part of the amazing family here. And it's great to see so many in this new year. Um, As I said, it feels a lifetime ago, but it is only been a couple of weeks since we met. Um, And I'm hoping this year, I don't know about you, but I'm hoping this year um, holds a little bit more joy and freedom than the previous two. (laughs) I don't know about you guys, like, I feel I'm I'm optimistic. I am the eternal optimist, so I'm optimistic this year is going to be an exciting, amazing year. Uh, Not just because of release of things from the lockdown stuff, but also because... This is just an exciting year for Freedom Church, full stop. God is doing so much. He is moving. He has a plan. He has purposes for everyone in this room. And that is exciting. If that doesn't excite us, not much will. You'll hear me say that a lot when I talk. Lots of things excite me. But this, God's plans for our purposes for our life excite me immensely. Because God's plans and purposes are good, as we're going to talk about today. And I'm going to make the mistake of going off note a little bit. Josh does this, and he does it probably far better than I could. Um, but I just, um, I was struck, despite the fact I did the worship and I'm doing this, like this isn't a regular thing, don't get used to this, it's a, this is just a, we, you know, we are a church plant and it means that often we all have to chip in and do as much as we can do and, and help out because, you know, we are, at this moment, we are a, a small, but we, God will continue to grow us and we'll see new gifts released, new people to lead worship so and to preach and to serve so well at the door and to serve refreshments and to evangelise the community. God is going to release all that goodness. But I was struck by, I hadn't planned it, I really hadn't. Like, we were singing so much about God's faithfulness. And um, this series we're going to be looking at, at faith. Um, and I just struck at, actually, I think it is really important to remember, in order to understand what faith is, we have to understand God's faithfulness first. That God was faithful first. He is faithful today, yesterday, and forever. He doesn't change in that way. His faithfulness goes from generation to generation. And I think when you can understand God's faithfulness, it gives a context for understanding what our faith should look like as well. And I think that's just really poignant that we were singing a lot about how God is faithful to us. And he's, he does that first. He's always faithful to us. That's who he is. Like, and I thought it's very poignant because when we talk about our faith and what faith means to us as believers and followers of Jesus... And now we're doing this, as Josh said, we're doing a new preach series over the next uh, five, six weeks um, on Hebrews 11. And as many of you may have read about what a lot of people call the heroes of faith, and we're calling it just like us, because these people we look to, you know, as, as the, the forefathers and mothers of the faith who have done amazing things, um, we can be just like them. Paul actually says, be like me. He tells us to do it. So you can look at people through scripture and you can learn and understand what faithfulness looks like, how to live faithfully, and what that looks like in different contexts. Because being faithful in different seasons of your life may look very different. Right, I'm going to skip back to my notes. It was a short jump off. So we have this exciting series in Hebrews 11. And as many of you know, myself, Sarah and Matilda, um, really excitingly, in the next few months, we'll be moving to Birmingham. We're putting our house on the market. We're going to plant a church in Birmingham. And, and we're really excited for that. And Josh... Um, as we've been preparing to kind of to, to kind of be sent, as said, he would like us to look at, at putting a series together. Like, and we very quickly, God began to really speak to me and Sarah a lot about how you know we just have a heart to spare you guys on and to encourage you to to just kind of really encourage you to continue to take the gospel into North Hall in this city to see many saved and added to God's family. 
that is a heart we want to convey to you. We, we, we know it's true because God has promised and said he would do it. Before me and Sarah were even, God had always known me and Sarah were in freedom, but before you guys knew, God knew we'd be here, but he also knew the plans he had for freedom, and he knew that his plans were for good things, for to, to see many added to his family, to rescue people from sin and death, to see this family community grow diversely. I love to be here today and seeing diversity as well. Because I'm a lad from Hull, and I didn't grow up in a diverse community at all. Like, it wasn't. And I love seeing that we have people from different nations here today, different ethnicities and backgrounds. That excites me, because that's what the kingdom looks like. So that is testament. God is already moving. God is already beginning to fulfill promises, because I know God has spoken that over this church. So that's exciting. Again, let's get excited. Come on. It is exciting. And this... We just really want to encourage you, and the theme of faith continued to come up for us in different contexts, but it was also kind of stemming around this heart of faith. And scripture is full of stories of people like you and me who place their faith in God and see his power and kingdom break through and transform lives and the communities that they live in and the world beyond. And I hope that this series, just like us, will be an encouragement to you and a challenge to give you the faith and confidence to press into all that God has planned for you over these next years. You know, we, we might be in Bedroom, but we are with you. We will always be with you. You are a part of our DNA. We're a part of yours. We, are, we will continue to be family. We will continue to pray and spare you on as you will us. And I want to see free, like Freedom Church rise up in faith and take hold of the plans God already had in place for you right from the beginning. To see this city, this community transformed as you actively take steps of faith, you know, tiny radical steps of yeses to Jesus. Just saying little radical yeses to Jesus daily in faith and seeing what God does. We used to have this saying in River City, let's see what the Father will do. I love that. I love it. Let's see what the Father will do. 2022, let's see what the Father will do in Norfolk. Is that not exciting? It takes a lot of pressure off, guys. It should. It takes a lot of pressure when you know it's the, far, it's the God who initiates the work. But that's not, we don't get off scot-free. We don't just sit there and go, well, let's just get a drink, guys. God's going to sort this out. We'll, just the doors, we'll open the doors. Now, God could. He absolutely could. But that's not how God works. He works in relationship. He loves his people. He loves his children. And he loves us to be involved in all the good stuff that he's prepared. He gets joy from it. I believe it. I believe God loves it when he sees you. I've got enough notes again here. Step out in faith and do something. He's like, that's my child. Oh, I'm so pleased. Look at them. Just so faithful. So, like, just a little yes there. And look, this one will show them I'm faithful. And he does an amazing work of faith, of power, of his just showing that he is with us and he is moving. So Hebrews 11 is a long chapter. Now, we are going to read the whole chapter, but I'm not going to read it because you'll get bored of my voice. You better be singing, you know I'm actually going to get Sarah in to read. But I want to read it, the whole chapter, because I think it sets the scene. I think sometimes what we do is we dip in and out of the stuff. Now, letters were never designed to be read. Now, we're not going to read the whole of Hebrews. Um, it's a very long letter. But they're designed to be read in one piece. But I think this chapter particularly, in order to really understand what we're trying to convey and what we want God to speak to us through this chapter, I want us to read the whole chapter first and really set the scene. And I want to encourage you that in the weeks to come, I'm not the, the biggest like Bible reader. I, I do read my Bible, but I'm not like one of those who just sits and reads it for hours every day. So for me, I might just read a couple of verses a day. For some of you, you might read whole chapters of book, books in a day. 
But I want you to encourage you in your personal Bible reading to be reading Hebrews 11. Because I believe as we read scripture, it changes us. It's the, it's the word of God. It has power. It has authority. And as we read, it transforms us. Because we begin to align our vision and our minds and our hearts with what God is saying and what God is doing. And I believe as we do that, faith will rise up in us. As we read Hebrews 11. And I want you to keep reading it. Because you might read it once and get one thing. I guarantee when you read it the next time, you'll pick up something else. So Sarah, you take it away. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, to which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. <coughs> by faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found, because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith Noah, being warned by God concerning witnesses yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven, and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus made it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking about land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one, Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, 
Isaac invoked future blessing on Jacob and Esau. <coughs> By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured the seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, for the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel, the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of the lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were so stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword. They went about in the skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains, and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commanded through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Wow. Thanks so, so much. I want to give another round of applause for that. Thank you, Sarah. She read it so well, so articulate, so much better than I have read it, that's for certain. Um, thank you so much. There's so much meaning there, isn't there? That's why I want you to keep going back to it, because I guarantee you, over these next six weeks, you'll get something new every day. I love how it gets to crescendo at the end, doesn't it? Of like, it's like, yeah, they struggle it, they find it hard, but that's magic. They're sawn into the beating of the stone, it's like, oh, okay, pretty brutal. But I love it, it's so full of, um, of just truth and kind of foundational stuff that we need to grasp. And just to give you a context of the, of, 
of this letter that he was, it was obviously the name kind of tells you, gives you an idea of who it was being written to, the Hebrew people. These were new Jewish converts. They were people who had come to faith, Jewish people who had come to the revelation of knowing Jesus and accepted um, Jesus and, and salvation. And it was, they were having a tough time. They were facing real struggle, persecution. And it was getting really tough. And some of them were starting to question. They were starting to say, mm, would it be better to just maybe go back to um, the Jewish faith? Maybe we should kind of continue as we did back then. And there's all this going on. And, and through the whole of the Hebrews, it's doing a couple of things. It's, firstly, it's telling them, don't bother, because Jesus is so much better than that stuff. Like, what's the point? Why would you go back to something that... Jesus is superior in every way. And let me tell you how. Bang, 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 bang. And it just goes through. Christ superior as this. And it's superior this way, superior this. And it's to say, look, like, have faith. Like, like what forefathers have faith in these contexts. And I think there's a little bit of a jab as well. Because, you know, when they're talking about Moses, if you remember when, when Moses takes the people out of, ex- out of exile in the Exodus, what do they start doing? Oh, it'd be great to be back under Egypt again. Oh, do you remember when we had fresh fruit and things? But at least when we were slaves, we had this. And I think there's a little bit of a problem of that saying, you know, you, you're right there where you're longing for something that's just not. Why would you want to be back under the yoke of the, of the law in the same way? Like, you've got freedom in Christ that you never knew. And you want to go back. You're just like you were under Moses. I think there's a little bit of a problem of that in there to kind of remind them, come on, guys. Faith takes us forward, it doesn't take us backwards. And it just constantly reminds them of, of, of Jesus and who he is. That the, if you haven't read the book of Hebrews, it fills you with faith. Because it just it tells you of who Jesus is and reminds you of his superiority in every way. It's, it's a really, really strong read. And then it comes to this chapter, after all that, where it's really reminding them of these people that they look to, the patriarchs, the forefathers of faith, of, of these people who... who had great experiences of, of being faithful to God, um, and they were, these were broken, messed up people. They weren't all perfect, uh, you know. You've, and we're going to cover some of this in there. In there, like God used them in their entirety. He, he didn't shy away from using people who didn't have it together necessarily, or even at times fell short, made mistakes, tried to do things in their own strength, got it wrong. He still used them. What's the Bible say? Faith the size of a mustard seed. God can use us in the smallest amount, you know, the smallest thing, and he can make it amazing. And I need to go back to where my actual notes were. So I I really love, like, I don't use the King James Version a lot, personally. I like it, but I just don't use it a lot. It's not one I I think I struggle with the the way it reads. But um, I love the way the King James Version um, describes. I'm not going to cover the whole of the Hebrews 11. I'm really going to focus on the first few um, verses. And I love how the King James Version talks where it says... Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were made not, uh, which were seen, this is why I didn't read the whole thing, which are seen were not made of things which which are visible. So what is faith? The open verse of this chapter kind of sketches out two dimensions um, of faith or faithfulness that the writer will then develops in further detail as he, as he goes on. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. First, faith provides a guarantee. It's like a 
peg in which we can hang our hopes. Because, because, of, because of faith, our hope isn't like flimsy or it's not just dreaming nice things. It has substance and reality. And faith provides the ground in which we can hold fast and stand strong. But that grounding also orientates us, turns us towards the future and gives us courage, kind of launching us into the unknown. And the second dimension of that is that faith moves us forward. Faith doesn't leave us standing stationary. Faith is something that drives us on, drives us to the next point. We have faith in what God's doing. We can see God's plans laid out in Scripture. Let's step, well, let's step towards what God has promised, what God has said. The writer does more than just provide a little definition, though. He really skillfully calls um, to mind all the stories um, of faith, and he, cl- and he clothes them two dimensions really well with real flesh and meat to, so that we can fully understand what faithfulness is. But, and as we read these stories, I believe we'll begin to understand what faithfulness and faith really looks like. And the word faith, um, pisti, I think it is a pronunciation, I believe, in Greek, uh, means conviction of the truth of anything. Conviction. So it means being the conviction of the truth of something. And the word substance could be translated into something like foundation. So I kind of was thinking, I was thinking, oh, well, what would that look like? So I kind of came up with my own, I don't believe this is, I think it's a good, it helped me, so maybe it'll help you. I translate it kind of saying like this. Our conviction of the truth is the foundation of things hoped for and the proof of things that have not yet come to pass or been seen. So our conviction of the truth is the foundation of the things hoped for and the proof of things that have not yet come to pass or been seen. It's that conviction of what and the foundation. We know what we hope for because we read it in scripture. God has laid it out for us. We have hope in what God has always spoken and promised through all of scripture. And that, that our conviction of that being the truth is the foundation of what we hope for. This, the word of God is, is the foundation. Jesus is the foundation of all that we hope for. And the proof of the things that have yet come to be passed or be seen. Ultimately, this conviction is that God exists and is the creator and ruler of all things. The provider and the bestower of eternal salvation through Christ and his death and resurrection. And Christ has all power and authority and will return to claim his bride, the church, who are co-heirs with him and image, his image bearers and taking the good news to the ends of the earth. See, our faith isn't all about the what, it's about the who. Faith is about the who. Because our faith is in Christ and our conviction is that he is who he said he is. That is our, where our faith sits with Christ. In that he is who he says he is. He is the rock and the foundation of our faith. And in Hebrews 13 he says he is the author and perfecter of our faith. I love that. Author and perfecter. So the author is the person who writes it, brings it into being. And he perfects it. See our life's experiences testify to that truth. Or they should. See as we put our faith in Jesus we see the outworking of the Spirit, who also testifies to who Christ is. So we see the power of God on display through healing, miracles, people being completely transformed. We experience personal transformation as we are transformed into the likeness of Christ. And I think this is part of the paradox of tension that many struggle to understand. 
Because for most, and this is my story, faith comes first and it's followed by the evidence of what we're trusting holds true. And that's really different from what the world says, isn't it? Because the world, what would the world say? Prove it and then I'll believe it. Prove it first, show me and then I'll believe it. Now I'm not saying, because God does miracles like, and people are converted by seeing the power and majesty of God. But I believe it. I don't know about you, my story is, I saw, my, I came to faith through seeing what Jesus looked like through other people. As I was a, going to a Youth for Christ in Poland, I was around a youth worker called Lee Brown, who was my godfather, um, and baptised me um, when I was 16. And, and seeing his life, seeing him reflect Christ, his likeness, his image bearing of Jesus, made me want to believe. I wanted to be like that. Well, he didn't perform a miracle, though, I believe, because look what I've just done. I just saw Jesus, and that was enough. And then from that, my experiences then just stamped true everything that I believed about Jesus, that I'd read in Scripture, that he was good, that he is healer, that he has authority, that he is, um, he, that he is the one who can transform lives, free people from sin, lift those out of the mud and sing them free to princes. And it was a case of, I believed that Jesus was all those things, and then I saw them. I don't know, is that your experience? I know that's fine. So if you came to faith for miracles, I want to hear them stories. Because I do believe that's true. But I think a lot of people just need to see Jesus. And then, and then Jesus just shows that, he's, that, that, he's, that he, when you put your faith in him, that he is who he says he is. See, the phrase, things not seen, it's literally things not seen yet. It doesn't mean that it's not seen as in they'll never be seen. They're just not seen yet. Faith is the substance of what you know is coming your way, even though you haven't seen it yet. Faith isn't a wishful thinking. It's like, not like, oh, I really hope this happens. No, it's based upon the word of God. Our faith is in the truth of scripture, of the word, the power and the authority of scripture in God given to us. Faith says whether you see it presently, understand it intellectually or experience it immediately, I know what God says he'll do, he'll do. That's what it is. Let me say it again. Whether you see it presently, understand it intellectually, or experience it immediately, I know what God says he'll do, he will do. And, I, and I, as I say, I became a Christian, I didn't have any of that. But I've got stories of God showing me that he is who he says he is. You know, once I was a believer, so I, I went to um, when I... I, I call it my wilderness period. Like I like to relate to the, the, the Hebrews, the Israelites. We all have their periods of going through the desert. So I became a Christian as a teenager, and then when I was got to that kind of age of going out, eighteen, I wanted to live a, a life that I thought was better, and start going off doing what I wanted to do. Kind of just decided if I, I couldn't, if I wasn't going to follow God in His plans, at least I had some integrity. If I'm not going to do it properly, I'm not going to do it at all, um, all or nothing kind of mentality. So I, I left the church and I went off and did my own thing. And then when I was um, in my twenties, early twenties, I, I, I just God really came in and was like brought me back a prodigal son moment. And um, very quickly, God spoke to me about going to a place called Nexus. And Nexus and Music and Ministry Academy in Coventry, where I met my amazing wife. God, God's plans are always perfect. And I, this wasn't like a, a place like university. You couldn't get fees or anything. You had to raise your own money. And it was expensive, and it, you know, I'm a lap from Heather Road, and at the time I was like working factories. This would be talking about more money than I thought. So I had to, you know, trust God, have faith that if God said I was going to go, I was going. 
And I raised a large portion of the money through people being generous and wanting to support me and who loved me and believed that, believed that and had faith, like I did, that nexus is where God wanted it to be. And I went and it got to, I had enough money for the first couple of times and it got to Easter and I couldn't go home um, because I, didn't, I had six quid in my account and I needed three grand um, for the next term in about two weeks. For my, this basically for our fees, for my housing, to be able to live and eat, uh, like, and maintain this amazing physical, physicality. Um, I wasn't this big on a fest. This is years of practice. It was an um, And I was, I was at home, and it was really weeks. I remember not being fearful. I was living by faith. I knew God had said something. So I had complete conviction that God had said, I was going to Nexus and that was a plan for my life that he would provide everything required in order for me to do that. So I'm there six quid in my account thinking, I've got rent, I've got this, I've got this to go. And I just, I prayed. I was like, God, you told me that this was your plan. You, you're the one who gave me faith for this to happen and I'm here and I know it's right because, you know, I'm, I, I just everything that's happening was transforming me. I, was, I really felt like it was, it was probably one of the most integral years of my growth that I'd ever had and I was like God I know you can do it and then a couple of days later I got a call from a friend in London and he said I've just been praying and he just said it was amazing it was like God just in my prayer said I need to gift you some money and he said I've got a finger in mind he said I need to give you 4,000 pounds now people don't call me and say that now hey what I'm saying here not what I'm not I'm not saying God will give us loads of money if we have faith what I'm saying is God knows what we need in every moment and he will provide it. And at that moment, it wasn't financial need. He said, I want to give you four grand. I was like, I don't know, you only need three. <laughs> and he's like, no, I feel convicted. And he gave me, he sent me 4,000 pounds, which paid. And then my friends came back who I lived with. And um, one of them, Chris, he was living at a student university in County Nexus. And he said, look guys, I'm... And basically, I've got the money for everything, but I've got no money for food or anything. I've literally got nothing. And I just knew God had, had the faith to send him was the same faith to send me, so I knew God had provided for us both in that moment. And I said, we're going to do this together. And, and I was able to bless him and fulfill what God had spoken of in his life through the action of someone else who had faith in what God was doing. And I believe that stories should be normal. Not necessarily about money, but about lots of things, about healing, about miracles, about um, seeing people free from addiction, seeing people who are homeless being brought into families. I believe it, because the scripture tells us that's what God does and that's what it's like. I've gone way off topic there, but... <sighs> See, biblical faith doesn't originate with us. Faith is part of the gift of salvation. See, saving good faith is given by God alone, and I know this. Because it says it in scripture. It's not the power of positive thinking. I will be saved. I will be saved. Don't work like that. It's not manufactured within us or our heart. It's given by God and by God alone. And I know this because the Bible tells me this. Ephesians 2, 8 to 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It's a gift of God. Not as a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for the works, for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Romans 12, verse 3, For by grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, 
each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Philippians 1 verse 29, for it has been granted to you that you uh, that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him but also suffer for his sake. All of them tell me that faith isn't something I manufacture, it's not something that I have ownership of, it's a work of God in us, through God for us. See, faith, God works faith within his people and it results in their salvation. And, and when we see a clear biblical view of faith, and then in the next few weeks as we look at some specific examples of faith, we'll understand that there's no way that these people that we're reading about did this on their own. It wasn't Abraham's strength or Moses' strength that brought the, Moses, what Moses strength that brought the people of Israel out of exile? It was the power of God. It wasn't, it wasn't Sarah who made that baby and was able to produce it. It was the power of God. She had faith that God is who he says he is and he would do what he said he would do. But it was God who did it. Faith isn't a power which you possess to create your own future. Faith is a God-given ability to trust the future that God has promised you. And there's a huge difference in that. Now the reader of these these books needed to understand about faith. They were having a bit of a crisis of faith. And they needed to understand about faith. They needed to understand it desperately. And obviously the bulk of those who would have read it were already believers of Jewish people. So they understood the scriptures. They understood the stories that that they'd heard week in, week out, and they'd been, you know, they, it was part of their culture, their life, they breathed it, lived it out. And we don't know who wrote the book, but it was written to a community of Jews who had come to faith in Christ. And this would have been a new kind of life for the Jews. These, these were Hebrews believers, for the first time in their life, through the gospel and salvation, they'd come to understand that their relationship with God wasn't dependent on works and doing stuff like sacrifice and you know, going to the synagogue, praying so many, whenever the day needs prayer, doing all these things, it was based on faith in Christ. And that was new and it needed to be reinforced with them. They needed to be reminded of that. Because we see it even with Peter trying to just sneak back into the old ways of thinking, the old Jewish ways. Now that's not so Jesus was a Jew a Jew, let's get that straight, he wasn't a Christian. Um, you know, he was a Jewish person and they observed the Jewish culture, they observed the Jewish traditions, but through Christ a new covenant was made. So things weren't the same. So, so yes, Jesus wasn't a Jew, but through Jesus we have a new covenant, which means that we're not Jewish, we're grafted in, but we're not the same as the Jews in that way. We're not dependent on the law, we're not dependent on sacrifice, we're not dependent on observing, the, you know, putting, not planting two of the same crops in one field, not eating shellfish, not doing all, you know, and many people will say that to you, when you're a Christian, they'll say, yeah, but you say that, you say you don't agree with this, these sexual ethics, but you, but you all still plant two things in one field, don't you, when it's polycottons and you eat shellfish, well, and eat pork, well, the Bible tells you, and it's funny how you won't take the Old Testament stuff, but you'll take the new, it's like, yeah, because it's a new covenant, it's been made complete through Christ. Like he fulfilled the law. That's not to say that we don't, that Jesus said not one hour of the law will be gone. But we don't live under the law as the Jews did. We live under a new covenant. And that's really important to remember. But you will get that, again, off topic. But be prepared for that. And we need to be prepared to answer that. But we're under a different covenant. We're under a covenant with Christ now. His blood, his death, his resurrection has changed things. We can't go back to, this is what he was saying, we can't go back to that. Sacrificing means nothing to God anymore. 
Because it's been done. Christ did it on the cross. You've got to sacrifice as many goats as you want. I'm sure he still loves the smell of cooking meat. Like, I'm sure God still loves the smell of, of cooking meat, like we all do. But it doesn't, it doesn't produce the same thing anymore because there's no need for sacrifice and atonement through in that way. Christ did it on the cross. There's no need for us to observe the same kind of Jewish laws in Leviticus in the same way, which means we benefit from warmer clothes, probably, being able to mix fabrics. <laughs> Back to the work, yeah. <laughs> you know, this is the whole point. The chapter is more than designed to encourage believers to continue their walk of faith. The first ten chapters, the writer's been labouring and making a major point, and, and, and like I said, I alluded to at the start, it's that the new covenant is superior to the old covenant. That Christ is superior to everything else. Jesus and his sacrifice is superior, completely superior to the sacrifice and the animals of the old system. He's a better sacrifice who made a better offering. Jesus is better than the angels, the writer tells us in these chapters. He's better than the prophets. He's better than Moses. He's better than Aaron. He's better than Joshua. Better than all the founding fathers of, of faith, the patron. You know, these, he's better than them all. He's a better priest than all the priests. He's a better priesthood. He's a superior priesthood. He's the mediator of a better covenant and he's a better sacrifice. Jesus is just better. Full stop. Jesus is better. He's superior in every way. And the Hebrews writers labouring this to them. Don't go back to that. You've got to stand strong and have faith. You know, you know something that your forefathers have faith in God. And they didn't even have what you've got. You've got complete assurance of who Christ is through his death and resurrection. Don't go back to that. Jesus is so much more. Put your faith in Jesus. He is in every sense superior. And these Hebrews could have gone back to living under Jewish law, the Old Covenant. They may have lived in peace and felt fulfilled, but it would have been so much less than what God had for them, regardless of the suffering and challenges they were facing. And I want to land it there and just kind of start to respond a bit. As we go through this series, we want to see faith rising as we explore these things. And the reason we know this can happen is because the Bible tells us gives us the, the basis for our faith. The authority of scripture teaches us that we can have trust in God completely, that, that he will do what Jesus says. You pray anything in my, you know, I'll intercede for you. Like, you can pray anything in my name. You can you know, ask him anything. You, can, you will do greater works and things than I did. Like, we will see the dead raised. We will see miracles. We can have faith for that because scripture tells us we can. And I really want us to, over this next uh, six, six weeks, just really begin to Trust God in a new way, to see faith rise in a new way. As we hear these stories um, of these people who did great works, of, who kind of saw great works of God in, in, and had faith in great works of God, that we will see them things too. So I want to do two things. We're going to respond in prayer. But number one thing I want you to read Hebrews 11, like I said. I want you to really make it part of your reading over the next weeks. The other one is, I want to hear stories. Freedom faith stories. Now I want you guys to start saying radical yeses to Jesus in the supermarket. Radical yeses when you see someone in need on the street. Radical yeses when your friend tells you they're just that they're feeling low and you're like, oh, I really want to pray for them, but I'm a bit worried. I want you to start saying yes to Jesus, having faith that he is who he says he is. He will do what he says he will do. And I believe we'll have stories up from the front of you guys saying, you know what, I said yes, and this is what God did. I have faith God could do it because he said he could, and here's what happened. 
Are you with me? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. I want, I want to get really Pentecostal on some stuff. Yeah. I want some hallelujahs in there, man. I want to be like, come on. This, should, this is exciting stuff, guys. This is, what we're doing is we're laying foundations here. Yeah. We're saying that we believe God will do what he says he will do, that we have faith for it. And if we really believe what God will do what he said, think of all the things God has promised over freedom. That we will see salvation in our pull. That we will see the destitute brought out of, of, of addiction. See people who are, who, are, who are abandoned and orphans and, uh, and have no family brought into God's family. We will see the nations gathered. People from every nation, tribe and tongue gathered into a community of believers. That we will worship together. That we will love one another deeply. That we won't get caught up in, in the stuff of the world. But we'll be free to live authentically as Christ calls us. That stuff's exciting because I guarantee if you allow God to do that in your life, you will not be disappointed. You really won't. So let's be excited for the next six weeks. Let's be excited for what God has got planned because this is what faith is. It's not we go on the same this morning on prayer, wasn't we? It's like God really convicted me about really, that time, raising my expectations. And I've got no. We're saying, no, I don't want you to raise your expectations. Oh, I want you to align yourself with me because I've already planned it. I've always, if I've said it's going to happen, it's going to happen. You don't raise your expectations of God. He is who he says he is. He said he'll do it, so I don't need to raise my expectations. What I need to do is I need to start seeing things as God sees it. I need to align my vision with his, and have faith that he'll do what he said he'll do. And then we'll see great things. We'll get, we'll have the privilege of seeing people saved. I'm getting excited now, I'm going to pass over to Josh and respond. <laughs>